Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. I would now like to introduce our tax practice leader, Joe Bouble. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. My name is Joe Bouble. I'm a tax partner in the New York City office. And I'm the firm's tax practice leader. This is one of a series of podcasts we're doing on the federal government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'm pleased to let you know that our guest is Paul Daly, tax partner also in the New York City office. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Joe. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Well, I'm glad you could come here and take time out of your business. So we're going to talk now about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act legislation, March 18th. And here we are two weeks later. It's already old news. But it's important things in there. So let's just talk about it. So, Paul, I know there are a number of provisions on various leaves. So let's see if you could just talk about first about the emergency sick portion and what does that mean? Sure. Joe, this is the first time that the federal government has mandated that employers pay their employees sick leave. In doing that, they're also enabling the employers to take a credit against their payroll taxes. This credit is 6.2%. It does not include the Medicare. Um, it is, again, a novel situation. It applies to employers of 500 or less, um, with fewer than 500 workers. Also, if you have fewer than 50, uh, 50 or less workers, you may not be able to have to do this to the extent that you can establish that is going to put your firm in jeopardy as a going concern. And so that's the sick leave. Now I know there's emergency family leave and what does that apply to? This is also very novel and it's very, um, could be very helpful. It's an expansion of the FMLA. And what it does is that covered employers must now allow up to 12 weeks of Family Medical Leave Act leave for any employee who has been with the employer for at least 30 days or unable to work because their minor child's school or place of care has been closed or the regular child care provider is not available due to coronavirus precautions. The first two weeks um, of such leave can be unpaid. After that time, the employee will receive at least two thirds of their wages with the daily benefit after that cap of $200 per day or 10 in total. Well, I know you mentioned that there's an employer tax credit. Can you tell us a little more detail how that's gonna work and have the forms been released yet? Absolutely, thank you, Joe. Wages paid under either of these leave requirements, either the sick or the family leave, will not be subject to the 6.2% social security payroll tax. And again, as mentioned previously, the law is silent, so it will be subject to the Medicare tax. But you're allowed a credit. For the sick leave, the credit is up to $511 per day if the employee is on leave for certain of the categories. There are various categories, and the first three categories you're limited, you can um, $511 a day up to 10 days or and limited to $200 a day to leave under the categories through four. And again, the credit is limited to $10 of wage, 10, 10 days of wages. 
It reduces your taxes to the extent that there is an excess that credit is to be refunded. And Joe, we haven't seen the form out yet, but it should be out very soon as issued by the IRS in order to get the fundable credit as well. Okay, great, Paul. And for those listening, this is being recorded on March 30th, about 2.30 in the afternoon. So that's the information we have as of this time. And, and Paul, in talking about the family leave and sick leave provisions, we're talking about employers and employees. What's in here for self-employed individuals? Self-employed individuals don't also get a break. For self-employed people, the credit is allowed against the regular income tax. The limit on sick leave is determined by multiplying the number of days that a self-employed person is unable to perform services under the categories one to three by the lesser of 100% of their average self, daily self-employment income or $511. The limitation is reduced to the lesser of 60 cents or the average daily self-employment income or $200 if they can't render services under categories four through six above. There is a similar credit computation for the family leave where in a number of days limited to 50, that a self-employed person is unable to perform services is multiplied by the lesser of 60% of their average daily self-employment income or $200. Okay, good, Paul, thanks. That, that makes sense. Put them kind of on the point, please. Now, another thing I wanna talk about quickly, but it's part of the act, but it is, I'll say, a somewhat obscure section that's now coming into play with the coronavirus pandemic, and that's Section 139 and giving employees tax-free benefits. Paul, could you just take us through that a little bit? Yes, thank you, Joe. Section 139 was enacted in reaction to the 9-11 Terrorist Act, and it's a fringe benefit provision that it allows an employer, an employee, or even to an individual contractor, certain expenses are not taxable to the individual and they are deductible by the employer. The basic ones that are covered that we really look at are um, unreimbursed medical expenses, any type of home office expense, increased utilities and home office expenses as a result of COVID-19. The key is that it does have to be these, there has to be a connection with um, the coronavirus. Other expenses are associated with maintaining a home office, housing for additional family members, increased childcare expenses, and increased expenses to enhance mental health. All these expenses could be covered, not includable as income and deductible by the employer. They have to be reasonable necessary. They cannot constitute lost wages. They can't be reimbursed by insurance. And again, Joe, one of the key great things about it is that there's no expense, expense substantiation, no dollar limit, no discrimination testing, no deduction limitations, payroll taxes or reporting. And it doesn't even have to be written in the plan documentation. Although we do advise employers to have some type of affirmative form where the employee would represent that they do reasonably qualify for this benefit. But again, it doesn't work in all situations, but to the extent that an employer could pay various reimbursed or even advances 
to in employees without taxable income to them, it might be a very nice fringe benefit in these very difficult times. Cool, Paul. Thanks. That that sounds great. So that concludes our podcast for today. Paul, I want to thank you for joining us. I know you're very busy. And to everyone out there, I would ask you to be on the lookout for our other podcasts on other topics related to the coronavirus pandemic. And stay safe, everyone. And I hope you and your families are well. And John, thank you.